Hello everyone and welcome to this episode, the hybrid one of the Women Talking About Learning podcast. I'm Andrew Jacobs. Hybrid is a global topic. It's as deep as it's broad and both complicated and complex. Luckily for this episode, we've got two brilliant guests to walk us through their views of it. Our first guest is Kira Lees. Kira is a founding member of the company New Wave Learning. She's been working in learning for the past six years and continues to be fascinated by human behaviour. Alongside her team at New Wave, she works hard to challenge the learning industry in creating experiences that leave a lasting impact and create sustained behaviour change. She's determined to work on putting human skills at the forefront. Our second guest is Beth Hall. Beth is Head of People and Culture at Broza, a furniture and home furnishings manufacturer and retailer in Australia. Beth is a passionate strategic people leader focused on enabling people to perform in all areas of their life. She's driven by developing skills and behaviours that unlock potential and deliver results. Make sure you've got your notepad for this one. Kira and Beth drop tons of useful stuff. This is Women Talking About Learning. This is Kira and Beth talking about hybrid. Hi, Beth. Hey, Kira. How are you? I'm doing really well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, great. It's uh, winter here, so I'm a little bit jealous of your sunshine over there in the UK, <laughs> but um, would love to know how hybrid is working over there. Well, it's still so new. I think for us, a lot of people are still transitioning into going back to the office, whether that's five days, three days, two days, if at mm-hmm. all. So I think in the UK, we're still very much finding our feet. There are obviously be companies that have been doing it for years, but I think for those huge organisations that were very much used to the nine to five, five days a week in the office, this is still really, really new. Um, so it's still very much at experimental phase. What, what about the? Yeah. What about in Australia? Yeah, in Australia, we are still we're dealing with the flu along with the COVID at the moment. So we're having a lot of people that can't leave the house have got from when they're test positive they've got seven days where they've got to stay in their home so that's really starting to affect the workforce because the flu is helping to to uh, allow covid to travel essentially so what with kids being off school and people not being able to go to work we're finding that hybrid isn't is non-avoidable now like it is actually just the way we need to work because there's always somebody that that can't be in the room for whatever reason yeah, you're absolutely right. And it, it's just it's become the new way of working and we're all just going to get mm-hmm. have to get used to it and start to take on new tools and tricks and, and ways of dealing with it to make it effective. And I think everyone's of that mindset, of, at least of the people I speak to anyway. Do you know anyone that's still very resistant to it, that's, that's calling people back to the office five days? Oh, look, I think it's interesting. I think the productivity concern has been ticked. I think the workforces have shown that, yes, we can work productively from home. Thank you very much. And we, you know, trust is no longer a question mark. I think now we're starting to see how is it impacting the culture? How is it impacting new people coming into the organization? And how are we actually embedding them within our culture and attaching them to our ways of working when they can't look right or left to their coworker because actually they're not there or they're at home? So mm. we're starting to see new and different um, challenges but I think there's overarchingly I think this is a great thing I think this is a great thing I think the future generations would expect it and demand it anyway so I think COVID has just accelerated it for us and really given us a kick up the bum to be able to rethink the way we work and the way we operate and 
to really focus on whole person and their life and making sure that life and work can happen in this at the same time as opposed to them having to be separated so I think there's some you know rather than we have to do it I think we get to do it which which is awesome and has so many opportunities for learning and how we rethink the way we do learning so would love to understand what the evolution has been over the past year or so in the UK with regards to learning going from face-to-face to fully yeah. online to now in this hybrid world? Well, it's, it has been a huge change. And if you think it's only been two years and we've, we've completely flipped the way we do learning in this country. And I think for the better, um, mm-hmm. there was very much a traditional mindset for far too long that face-to-face was best. And I, I'm not saying it isn't best. There is Having the human element in training and learning is absolutely crucial. We need it especially when developing soft skills, human skills. However, enabling people to scale learning, reach more people, be, be so much more inclusive of, um, of different countries, if you work for a global organisation, of people with different um, home lives, they're able to tap into learning, which they hadn't been able to before. And also, we're all so busy, and we were before the pandemic, let alone what we're like now. Wow. Um, so people can now work it around their, their, their daily lives a hell of a lot more, which is, which is awesome. And we're so pleased to see it. Um, in, in regards to how it transitioned, it was, it was a funny time. We all went into lockdown and I think learning providers, so I'm talking from a provider background here, learning providers panicked and just were like, we need to shove everything online quick, 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 quick. We need to still provide learning. Whereas they should have just taken a step back and thought about how best to do that for the new environment because you ended up with um, training providers putting you know a whole day's worth of learning a one-day course just onto zoom or onto teams which is just intense i do not want to go to that workshop oh it's still happening now but less so but we had clients saying to us oh people have now just they are just the the whole zoom fatigue they're just so tired of it Mm. they now don't want to do anything so it actually just burnt people out and ruin their perceptions of what learning can do for them. So, and now I've seen in the last three months, people actually coming back with more of an appetite to how we can do this and people having a little bit more of an open mind about how it can be done. Yeah. Yeah, and look, I think similar kind of echo over here in terms of the pendulum swing swung too far. Mm. So we went from this face-to-face is best, to it now has to be online in whatever format, whether it be uploaded slides or full day workshops or whatever it may be. Whereas now we're in this situation where we're actually expecting totally different skills of our learning providers like yourselves, but also our facilitators. It's a totally different skill set. You know, we there was many early adopters of online learning anyway before the pandemic hit, but not everybody was highly skilled in it. And they became highly skilled in a really short space of time because, to your point, in order to survive, they needed to become skilled within that digital space. So they got all of those skills, but what they haven't got is the ability to work a room and a monitor and actually drive facilitation and inclusive learning. So rethinking methodologies, rethinking activities, actually changing success measures of, well, participation is now not a sign of engagement because for many people it is hard to be able to interact when there's people in the room and there's people on the screen. So 
Um, I think we're now in, we're in another messy period whereby there's, there's people that have embraced it and are having a go and are happy to just see how it plays out. And we've got people that are totally against it. I've had providers, um, obviously not yourselves, but I've had providers cancel workshops because people can't attend physically because of having COVID or kids having COVID. And they've gone, nah, we can't, we can't accept any virtual people on screen. We can't do a hybrid approach. It's, it's not quality learning is the kind of terms that, that you hear. You also have um, leaders of teams that, that struggle with, oh, no, we have to all be in the room. If we're not all in the room, then how can it possibly happen? So there's a change of mindset that certainly needs to, to go yeah. when we think about the workshop side of things. Hugely. And don't get me wrong. I think we're all, we all probably have the mindset that it is compromise it's a compromise like this is the way we're working now and how we're living it isn't necessarily a choice for us to do learning programs with half in the room and half online it's, it is what needs to be done sometimes in order to be inclusive however mm -hmm. what what can be done to enable it to be better is it is the awareness and the skills of those facilitators as you say and having the right technology and preparing like there would be absolutely no point in trying to do it if you haven't prepared. You need to make sure the technology is right, um, the question and answers are set up. Someone, they have a second facilitator that's monitoring, monitoring the online room to make sure those people are heard. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, we've had it for a few years now. We'd have one person in a meeting on Zoom and there's no point in them being there because they can't be heard. They might have some amazing opinions, but they're raising their hand, but no one sees that tiny little hand when everyone yeah. else is in the room. Yeah. So there's ways of doing it, but I think, I mean, I'm definitely of the mindset that if we can be all virtual or all face-to-face, -face, that will have the biggest impact because everyone is able to cont contribute. But if, the, if in the case that we can't be done, then we can do it. We can make sure that we do it in the most effective way possible. But I think that's a challenge for us, Kira, is we live in a hybrid world now. Hybrid working mm. is here to stay. Our employees are demanding it and good on them for demanding it. So the reality is we might think best practices 100% online or 100% face-to-face, but our team don't. Our team want to, what they want choice. They want yeah. choice. They want empowerment. They want autonomy. You've mentioned inclusion a few times, 100% agree. You know, the accessibility of being able to choose to be in a room or choose to be in the comfort of your own home or wherever it is that you want to engage in your learning. It's up to us now as a learning industry to step up and go, OK, well, to your point, what is the technology? What are the facilitation skills that we need in order to enable this to happen? And how do we just rethink our methodology in the way we operate so that mm -hmm. it isn't a less, you know, it isn't a lesser experience. It isn't diluted in any way. It's still a rich learning experience yeah. that incorporates technology. And we, when we do breakout groups, we have laptops on tables or yeah. we have separate breakouts in the digital space versus the physical. And how do we start our sessions by saying, hey, side conversations are a thing of the past. You know, they can't happen now because you've got digital side people or... Um, there's so many great tools out there that we can use. We now just need to embrace this challenge. And, and I think we will be a better profession for it. And I think learning will be better for it too. 
Yeah, I mean, we have to move with, with the times and what people need and what people want. I completely agree. And to give you an example, we have a, a facilitator that's um, uses the the floating heads approach. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's similar to what mm-hmm. you were just talking about, where um, if, say, for example, you've got five people that are in the virtual room, you'd pick five other people that are in the room to have them on their lap on a laptop. So they have their own Zoom mm-hmm. links and they tap in. So when it comes to those um, discussions that are, are done between partners or pairs, they can have it with that person on the laptop. Just pop your headphones in. Mm-hmm. So those conversations are still able to be had. And then, for example, um, later down the line in the session, if there's another chance to have conversation, they swap the laptops around. So everyone's getting mm-hmm. to have those different perspectives and different conversations. And that's just a really simple tool where someone's thought yeah. outside the box to bring that, bring that to life and make sure everyone's included. Yeah, exactly. And as you mentioned earlier, Kira, actually planning the room and the space and well, where does where does the screen sit in relation to the space? So if you've mm-hmm. got a small group, you've got people sitting around a table, but the head of that table is the screen. And there might be yeah. five, there might be 10 faces on it. But when we're going around the room having a conversation, the turn is being taken by people in the digital world too. So um, I think, yeah, there's some really great opportunities and as a facilitator, we should be pausing regularly and just checking in, regardless of whether they're virtual or face-to-face. Is every is anyone got anything else they want to add? You know, and leaving mm-hmm. that space and that pause moment within our workshops to accommodate it. So yeah, um, yeah, I think I think workshops is the the easy one. How are you going with learning from others? So when we think about a lot of the skills and knowledge that's picked up across organisations is from either observing others or from looking over someone else's shoulder or someone seeing something you're doing and going, hey, there's a shortcut to that. How are we going to overcome that in a hybrid world? Yeah, I completely get it because you do have that disjointedness between between colleagues. Like That was the one thing we missed, wasn't it, when we were all working from home. We don't have that informal conversation where we get to just quickly ask each other questions. So it's a really good question mm-hmm. and I'm not sure I necessarily have an answer to it. Um, I think it's still being discovered. Um, mm-hmm. I had spoke to a friend yesterday and I was kind of asking her what, what were the cons to this new working format? And she was like, people need to manage their diaries better. So mm-hmm. people are in the office at the same time. So if, you, if a company has a rule of you have to come in two days a week and you know that you're working on a specific project with someone, make sure you're in the office at the same two days a week. Um, so you can actually have those informal conversations. You can sit next to each other for a day and be like, oh, what did you think about this? And blah, blah, blah. And another tool, which actually a family member imparted when they were in, in the pandemic, was to have a, a live Google, Google uh, Meet open all day. So people were just mm-hmm. in it. So they're working away in silence, whatever. They can mute, they can mute the chat, whatever. But as soon as they have a question, they can just pop in and be like, oh, I'm just struggling with this. Can you help me? So yeah, everyone is that. essentially all in the same place. Yeah, that's great. A digital workplace. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. look, I've heard a lot of organizations that are saying, you know, these are the days we're working in the office. And it's an interesting one because... We talk about autonomy, empowerment and flexibility, yet we're essentially asking people to arrange their lives around what suits the collective as opposed to the individual. So it's an interesting kind of rub in that, yes, we work hybridly, but we're going to dictate elements of it to you. So um, it's interesting how that's going to play out. I I think um, that side-by-side learning is just such a big part of, 
the way people learn and really people are unconsciously competent. They're just going about their day doing things and not necessarily knowing how to explain it or how to train it. It's just something that they do. It's just something that's almost habitual to them. But we're actually now forcing ourselves, I guess, to be a little bit more deliberate about, well, how do we actually become consciously competent in order to be able to share it? So it's no good just being able to do it. We now actually have to be able to share it. And I think organizations are realizing that they need to capture IP and they need to make sure they capture that IP, not only for the great resignation and for, for turnover that's happening across organizations and industries, but also for that new team member that joins the organization that doesn't have the buddy sat next to them or the person across the lunch table to be able to have those ad hoc conversations. So we need to, I guess, be a little bit more deliberate about how people learn from others and and potentially look at what are those scheduled moments whereby shared learning is happening. I love the idea of having a, a Google Meet just open and people just going about their business. And a lot of organizations have also adopted Slack or yeah. Teams, and they're using those tools to be able to have that, hey, I've got a question. Does anyone know this? And um, they almost need someone to scoop up all of those answers and actually put them in a you know, Wikipedia for the organization <laughs> to be able to share their knowledge with each other, I guess. Yeah, you're absolutely right. We just need to find the new ways of sharing that learning. Like, for example, we're, we're a small company and we actually work fully remotely now. Um, mm-hmm. So we, but we have a, a membership to a shared office group in London. So whenever we need to have a, a strategy day or collaborate or work on something together, we can go do that um, somewhere like somewhere like that. Um, but we have a WhatsApp group and it was just constantly on fire all day. <laughs> Tiny yeah. little questions. And I think we've we've very much got used to just picking up the phone constantly mm-hmm. asking how people are. And every morning we have um, our morning donut, which is it started off originally. We'd all have a donut. Now we don't. So we should probably change. <laughs> was, it getting, was it getting a bit too much? We were getting a bit. <laughs> a donut a bit every shabby. day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Oh, and what a great way to maintain the culture, though, because when you are working remotely, it's not just from a learning perspective. It's also just from a connectedness in terms of belonging and inclusion within your teammates. So, Mm. yeah, I love that. All right. So we probably haven't planned this, but we are kind of making our way through 70, 20, 10 here because we started (laughs) with the 10 with our workshops and the 20 with learning from others. What about the experience piece? How do you think this hybrid environment is impacting learning from experience that's a really good question um again it takes me back to my original point that it can be a fantastic experience if if done right if planned and and made sure that everyone has has their chance to speak um the other side to that is i have been in situations where there has been two people on zoom Um, and the others are in the room and they do just get forgotten about and it comes to that point of that is that facilitation that they now need to have this new increased self-awareness and situational awareness to ask those people's opinion and I feel like I'm repeating myself here but that's that's how I feel like I can respond to that question is within learning it just we need to make sure that our facilitators have the skills to have to be able to listen to have active listening to both environments and um, and to yeah make sure they're including everyone in every 
in everything that they're they're wanting to input. I don't know what's your what's your response on that. I don't feel like I gave a good enough answer there. Oh no! Look, you did. I think when I was thinking experience, I was thinking the seventy percent of seventy twenty ten. The seventy oh, percent being yeah. actually on the job doing the task. Got you. But I think, but I think what you've shared is actually a potential solution for us because I think there's an opportunity for us to actually rethink the way we run our ten percent to actually incorporate the seventy. So actually, be in a position whereby we're coming together to solve a real business problem. We're coming together to do a real life task. So we're actually learning from others with our twenty. We're applying the experience on the task in hand together in our 70. And there's a facilitator there that has a framework, whether that be, you know, a model thinkers type framework or whether that be a schematic for the organization that is being used in order to be able to solve whatever it is. I think by doing that, we're going to drive collaborative learning. We're going to drive experiential learning and we can still do that in a hybrid world. Whereas if we, if we don't think about that 70% of experience, potentially we've got a whole load of people in their homes being pretty unproductive and unproductive in terms of their outcomes because they actually aren't learning from their mistakes because they don't know it is a mistake until it's kind of too late. So um, I think there's an opportunity again for us as learning professionals to create that environment and facilitate the 70-20-10 as a collective as opposed to as kind of sticking to our lane of where well, we focus on the 10, you know, as a, as a service provider, how cool would it be if you could actually start to own the 70-20 and 10 for the organization as opposed to just the 10% element and how would that actually change our industry for the better? Oh, 100%. And yeah, I think that's where I got confused because I am a service provider, so I was focusing on the 10% there. But um, yeah, I think there's a huge amount of work that we can do with managers and leaders within organizations to give them the skills to, to create those opportunities for that experience to happen. Because there was a huge, I mean, there's a huge breakdown in communication when we first went into lockdowns and started working remotely in, in a hybrid environment between our managers and their teams. And we were seeing a lot from our clients that was coming out a lot. How do we ensure people are still able to collaborate? even though they're working in a remote and hybrid world. Um, and it's just about creating that right environment so people can learn from each other and can get the feedback they need in the moment. Mm -hmm. And we talk about the skills our facilitators need in this hybrid world, but it's the skills that it's the similar skills that our managers and leaders need as well to become a lot more self-aware and aware of the situations that people are in and to be more curious as to what those people are doing. Um, because we do, even managers and leaders get bogged down in the day-to-day, -day, we know that, so they, they might forget to check in on people and make sure they're doing the right thing and getting the feedback and, feedback and guidance that they need to do their job correctly. So the whole piece about training up our managers and leaders, which I think is, is something that's going to be really impactful going forward. Yeah, and I love that mention of curiosity that you just mentioned there, Kira, because I think as L&D professionals, we need to move away from training and start facilitating for real. And we need to become more curious. We need to ask better questions. We need to be able to really be the smallest person in the room in order to be able to create that hybrid working and to be focused on solving business problems as opposed to death by PowerPoint of, I have already decided before I walked in this room, the 20 slides that I'm going to talk to you about. 
actually no, I might have one model thinkers on the screen and I might start asking questions and focusing on real problems and real things to be able to solve for stuff. So, um, you know, I think the skill of asking great questions and the skill of listening has been something in L&D we have always had to have. But now I believe more than ever we need to dial that up, dial up the use of technology to solve for some of the challenges that we're finding with hybrid, but actually start to use it to our advantage. So what do you think that would look like? Um, I think it would look like I've mentioned a few times model thinkers, but I'm a big fan because it doesn't give the answers. It just actually creates a whole bunch of questions that you have to navigate and work through and solve as a group. So actually turning up with one slide and it's a model and saying, hey, let's unpack this. Let's talk about how this works for us. Let's talk about what is and isn't applicable to our business, to our problem that we're solving right now, and actually start to get that shared learning happening across the room and the screen is going to drive the 20 and the 70, whilst you, the 10 really is that here's a framework, here's a model. And it doesn't have to be model thinkers. It could be a framework within the organization. It could be a certain um, operating rhythm or way of working within the organization that is being unpacked and worked on as a collective. But it will solve for all three as opposed to us going, we're just going to push content on you. And you may or may not receive it as intended, and you may not or may not interpret it as intended. And we don't really have the opportunity to follow up on you because you're all working in a hybrid world. So we're not even sure whether it's worked or not. But hey, tick, tick the box. We delivered some workshops, so we must be doing the right thing. And I'm with you. The leaders are the ones that we need to support because they've never had to lead in a hybrid world. It's, you know, the the need for empathetic leadership was so huge during the pandemic and now the need for compassionate leadership has overtaken that and those are skills that not everybody has and that's on top of their day job, on top of their KPIs and their deliverables that they already have in play and they've got their own lives going on. So um, That's what I was going to say, I was like it's it's great us saying all this stuff and you know i think i think we're right in saying it that the our leaders need to start embodying these skills in order to get them to embody them they have to learn them and practice them and you know get to that unconscious competence with them and that takes mm -hmm. time it takes so much time mm -hmm. and as you say they they are busy people as we all are it's yeah. it's like saying to someone oh you know your really busy life will you also add all of this to it and you have to get yeah. people to, they have to want to do it, <laughs> otherwise the learning won't stick. Yeah, and look, I think if we start every day with a stop list and we start every day with what we're not going to do, it actually frees up room for what we can do and what, yeah. you know, I think learning used to be a nice to have. I don't know about you, but I've noticed the need for our profession just skyrocket like I've never seen in the 20 years I've been in this industry that this the need for internal succession the need for leadership development the need for the humanistic skills and behaviors is is higher than I've ever seen before which is so exciting you know we've got a seat at the table so it's how do we use that seat and how do we make the most of it I know about time eh <laughs> I, I did think that the pandemic would make that change and it's it's really awesome to see it's it's, it's not a 
it's not a nice to have anymore. It's definitely we have to do this in order to succeed. Because if you look yeah. at the great resignation as it is, you know, people, organisations have to adapt. You've got those organisations that are trying to go back to the old ways, they are losing people. And those people are now finding jobs in organisations that look after their mm -hmm. people, manage to work life balance and, and give people what they want. And I think people have finally taken the power back. It's, mm. so, it's so wonderful to see how empowered people are to just be like, no, I've, yeah. my life has changed in the last two years and I can no longer work that way. So you have to work around me. And I think it's awesome. It's about yeah, time agree. employers were doing that. Yeah. And from what I'm reading and hearing, the need for hybrid working and the need for development is trumping the salary package that's being owned so people are really looking at total reward as is this going to fit into my life and is this going to develop the skills I, I need and want for my career which is awesome um it would be remiss of us before we wrap up not to touch on women because this podcast is about awesome women and uh how this affects them so I, from what I understand, there's been definitely winners and losers with hybrid working. Uh, the winners being their ability to do the drop-off or the pick-up and to have a bit more flexibility within the day if they are carers, but equally the challenges of school, lockdowns, homeschooling, and the need to step up certain aspects of their life outside of work. From what I'm seeing, early reports are that we have gone back in terms of um, equality for women and equity for women in the workplace and in learning. So um, saddened to hear that, but I think we actually have the foundations and the opportunity to switch that around now as we start to normalize this hybrid way of working. And I think that women can actually turn out to be, to be winners in this space. Um, and look, I'm, I'm speaking from a carer's perspective, but not all women are carers. I'm not a carer. My husband's the, the primary carer for our kids. But um, just from what I've been reading online and some stats coming out, I'm, I'm hearing that, that we're, we've gone backwards, not forwards, particularly within Australia. What about the UK? What uh, are you hearing over there? I'm really surprised to hear that because I, I, don't, I don't think that's the case over here from, from my experience and the people I've got in my network. I think we're still very much riding that wave of this is a fantastic opportunity for women is there's n it, it, it brings equality to the forefront. So I, me and my husband, we, we're pretty much the same. We've got a, we've got a daughter, she's 18 months. And mm -hmm. I, I honestly think the work-life balance I have now means I can care for her, I can pick her up from nursery and then I can carry on working in the evening to pick up what I was doing. Um, I can also, we, we, we decided we, we couldn't do three days a week at nursery. We had to cancel one day because we couldn't afford it. So we're now splitting the day in half. Um, and my employer allows me to do that. And I think that more and more employers here are doing that sort of thing because we've now realized that, that people should be valued on their results, not on, their, mm -hmm. on how present they are. And that is definitely the feedback I'm getting from a lot of the people I know um, yeah, over in the amazing. UK. So, uh, yeah, I'm surprised. I'd love to see a copy of that report to understand kind of what's driving that, it going backwards. Oh, and to be honest, I think it was a report out of the States that was um, saying this is what they're experiencing. And I always look to the States of what's going to help Australia next. And uh, there was just some early reports around. Um, and I know there was a report around pay equity and the impact that taking time off work has had during home learning. That, and that has largely been held by women needing to take time off or indeed quit their jobs in order to be able to support their children during lockdown. So, um 
Yeah, but I think there's certainly, um, we've got an opportunity to right that wrong. And this hybrid learning and hybrid development approach can certainly close any gaps that we had in terms of equity for, for women. 100%. Yeah. Like I, it's, I now, they, they call my husband first sometimes nursery when they've got a problem. And that is a huge change for me. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I yeah. That. I don't know why. There still is this kind of unconscious mindset in education that if something goes wrong, call the mum. Call the mum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's looking to change, which is a positive. <laughs> yeah. That's a total positive. Love it. Yeah. Well, nice. so great to chat with you. Uh, my evening, your morning. Um, yeah, and have a good sleep. Chat, yeah, about something that we're so passionate about, which is learning and development. Yeah, I can't wait to see how it all pans out. We should probably rekindle the conversation in a year's time, see what's happened, if any of our predictions come true. Yeah, and rather than doing it online, I'll pop home to the UK and we can do yeah. it face to face over a wine. <laughs> oh, perfect. All right, Beth, lovely to see you. Have a good you evening. Too. Thanks. I applauded Kier and Beth at the end of this recording. They took an incredibly broad topic and centred on some of the key issues and challenges which people in learning face. A big thank you to them both for this episode, and if you think they should come back in a year's time, then please do let us know. You will find their contact details in the show notes, along with links to the dozens of cool things that they mentioned. We're always seeking guests, so please do get in touch if you have a burning topic that you wish to speak about. Please like and subscribe to Women Talking About Learning on your podcast player. It really does make it easier for people to find us. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again soon.